millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I've heard people say that too much of anything is not good for you, baby. But... I don't know about that. On the cloud of sun, I drift in the night. Any place that goes is right. Goes far, lies near. Goes stars away from here. Well, you don't know what we can find. Why don't you come with me, little girl, on a magic carpet ride? Together we'll stand. Super Cat the Don Dada understood. Welcome to another special edition of the Rogue Report podcast, where we are once again joined by the Sunderland AFC owner, Stuart Donald. Stuart, welcome back. I'm delighted you're back. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks for having me back on. You look a bit greyer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aged a lot in the last month. <laughs> and we are also joined today by Alex McCain, who um, is under the strict instructions only to talk when Stuart needs a quick breath. <laughs> I can't wait to say about three more words. Yeah, so how's things, Alex? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Okay, now before we begin properly, I do actually have a, a little bone to pick with you, Stuart. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I bought you a hip flask. Oh, you did, you did. And um, you forgot it. I did. So I apologise. Although it's important I have it for the season, so yeah. as long as um, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's ready for the games, it's here. It's here. Okay. Yeah, it's been yeah. in my boot. I will not for forget. You. So Thank you very much. There you are. <laughs> the actual artwork for the podcast has you holding a hip flask as well. Right, I'll put my phone on the top. So you won't forget it. 
I won't forget if it. If you forget it this time, then you are welcome Deal back, off. but I'll just be yeah. angry. Okay, so <clears throat> section one, we're going to split it into four sections. We've got lots of fine questions to get through. But firstly, do you want to give us an update on all the things that are happening at the club at the moment? I mean, you said this morning no, you might have been at the academy. So do you want to Yeah, I'm at the, the academy. Obviously, we're getting to the nitty gritty now. So um, it's time to sign players and time to let them go. So um, the first few weeks is always quite slow which is frustrating for the fans because um, everybody wants to make the signings and, and they want to know who we're going for but um, you know the negotiations uh, can be quite lengthy if um, you know people are we feel are being unrealistic so that takes a bit of time but, but the biggest issue is either the agents on holiday or the players on holiday or we're not doing anything until we get back from holiday or, or whatever it will be so those first couple of weeks there was no real massive movement um, and you just now realise it's, it's hotting up so uh, yeah we're expecting obviously pre-season starts soon and <clears throat> I think we'd hope to have a, a minimum of a, a goalie maybe a full back <clears throat> um, a centre half a, a midfielder and two strikers in before we come back to, to training it's looking that way unless there's any last minute hitches in, in the negotiations so that's the ins then obviously there'll be more than that but at least that will give us a start of sort of five or six players um, and the outgoings um, were on as well obviously Jason Steele was the, the first one out the door um, but I expect that'll that'll warm up quite heavily now so I'm sure you'll ask me about all the outgoings yeah well, we've got a full section on transfers but quickly on Jason Steele is that going through? it's done yeah done. yeah yeah three year deal at Brighton he's got wow yeah you've, you've done well Did, well he's done well is yeah, that a yeah. profit? Uh, no, no, no. We didn't get a fee for him. Oh, okay. um, because I think Brighton wouldn't have been interested if there was a fee. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's he. You know, good, good good luck to the lad. He's he's gone in. I think the view was he's gone in as third choice, but see how he does. And you know, he's now at a Premier League club with a with a three year deal, which um, is what he wanted. Um, and I think you know, uh, the initial view was we might contribute to him leaving never mind not getting a fee but uh, we made it clear that wasn't that wasn't going to happen so we've literally just um, terminated the contract good luck though he's a nice yeah, lad absolutely. by all accounts uh, from up here yeah well. I mean I haven't met him uh, no, I've, talk, I've talked to I've talked to his agent I think I've talked to everybody's agent and um, the agents I'm sure aren't as nice to talk to as the players how many uh, how many players he actually spoke to so do you know the, there was the, the story about only one committing one player yep. committing yep. was that speaking to agents or players no, that that's um, Jack Jack Ross. Um, uh, initially, tried to make contact with with obviously all the players, introduce himself, get a feeling for where they are, and um, Jack said to me that he'd spoken to seventy five percent of the players, and um, only one would like to stay. So that was at that stage, he had twenty five percent more of the squad to talk to, um, and in that remaining twenty five percent, there's a uh, a couple more. Um, but um, as as I think most people are aware. Um, it's pretty clear that most of the players um, would like to play their football at a different club next year. Fair enough. Okay, final question really from me in the beginning is about your Twitter account. Yep. So there's been a lot of, you probably get a thousand tweets a day at you, random yep. things, things that are important, things that aren't maybe as important. Yep. Is your stance changing about Twitter at the minute? No. Um, I can understand lo- lots of people sort of thinking oh you, you know you shouldn't really be on Twitter and, and XYZ and I get all that and, and, and everything else and I suppose the reality of it is you can have 200 people ask you the same question 
like for instance we're doing this Thursday well I, I mentioned that on my Twitter account yeah. at the weekend and since then I've had so many questions of which you're bound to ask me mm-hmm. 99% of them so you know in, in that regard um, you get an awful lot of repetitive questions that you just can't get to but my view of being on Twitter is that from that if I can dissect all of that obviously I'll try and get back to as many people as I can but if if, if everyone keeps asking about the seats or about the same player and of course you can't talk in depth on the transfers yeah. anyway because we don't want to have players pinch from us then I have to cut that out and I'm not stupid I realise if we lose four games in a row or three or even two or one even um, I'll be the worst owner um, of the club so <laughs> I might I might not look at Twitter that night um, you know if we lose on a Saturday um, so I, I get that at the moment it's okay um, and it in in that sense you know um, if things become um, more difficult at the club um, I might get some not so nice messages so I, I'm fully accepting of that um, and I understand that but that's not why I use it why I use it is is through all those people asking me things there are lots of people that have genuine concerns things that the club maybe might or should be addressing that they've overlooked or or seriously sort of um, half decent advice so from Twitter we've had you know a fan say that he'll his roofing company will look after the roof at no cost other than obviously what he's costed at we're changing the seats um, and we've got offers from companies for free help I've helped genuinely helped about 20 people that probably wouldn't have been able to get a season ticket get a season ticket I've sold two corporate boxes myself and of course I've then interacted with fans about different things so that that's just a small sample of some of the stuff and then other people have messaged me privately lots of sort of helpful stuff that I've taken on board I've arranged I mean last night I was out with some fans in in Durham because they, they they wanted to have a meet so you know that's they're positive things so I've sort of got to cut and dissect it and there are I suppose lots of silly questions some of which may well be Newcastle fans posing <laughs> as Sunderland fans and I, and I understand that but um, I said to the fans last night fundamentally I'm working for the fans so um, if they want to have access to me it's it's quite an easy way to do it but within that I do have to pick and choose a little bit and um, yeah there, there probably are too many questions and I can't get to them all but I, I, I won't I won't change that um, uh, as long as it's you know pe- people can ask me anything as long as they ask in a, in a reasonable manner and I think people just got to remember that I'm doing my best um, and no one's going to try and do anything wrong on purpose and I'll be open with everyone and if they don't agree that's fine but if they could just not agree relatively politely that that would be appreciated and, that, and that's all really I'd ask yeah I think most people are generally <coughs> enjoy your Twitter account personally I check it every day to see yeah. who you've replied to see what you've liked just to get an right. idea of what's going on yeah. and I think probably every Sunderland fan does the same so it is I think it's refreshing yeah. I think it's good and there's not many I don't know if there is a single owner in the football league who's probably quite like you certainly for a club the size of Sunderland yeah well the the, the other thing with it is I, I think there are a few things that, that come out in the press uh, uh, for some reason especially as a Sunderland that are just way way off the mark um, and of course what that then does is it, it can build um, in people's minds and these things can gather momentum so it, it also helps me to turn around and go no or uh, you know that's not correct or yes that is correct there are certain things you can't talk about like that but I think you know there's a few things that have gone in the press that would genuinely concern Sunderland football fans and they weren't true so um, there's three or four things I've just gone no nah, it's not true Yeah, that, that helps. and then it sort of kills it yeah that's yeah. great for just ensuring that sheer transparency yeah yeah I mean it's pretty simple if you just tell it how it is then you don't have to remember 
You don't have to remember your lie. Yeah, uh, and um, th- therefore you can just tell all the same people the same thing. But the difficulty with Sunderland is I can't reply to 200 people talking about the seats yeah. in 24 hours. You just physically can't do it, which is why what I'm hoping I can do is through things like yourselves and, and, and the fan groups, just get that message out and rather than then talk to one person I'm talking to the whole fan base so speaking of seats uh, we're going to move on to the second section so this is kind of some general housekeeping sort of stuff around the yep. stadium sponsorships kits sure uh, Bradley SCFC asks could you ask when we'll be able to come in and help change the seats is there a specific day or weekend in mind and if so what will the plans be for the day could we keep our old seats so are you going to be yep. able to do the fan barbecue that you were talking about yep um uh, I've been asked by the the club if they could announce it. They're obviously I'm um, looking at my Twitter oh. and I'm stealing all their thunder or, or whatever <laughs> it might be. And I said absolutely. But we're putting the final final touches to that day when I go back after this before I see Love Supreme. Um, so w- w- we're doing that. We've got a date penciled in, which will be around the middle of July over the weekend, and um, subject to getting all the relevant sign offs in the conversation I'm having. I would imagine we'll have a press release out before the weekend nice. about that day that the seats have been ordered, um, paid for, um, and they're coming. So um, we, we need the fans to help us put them in if that's what they like to do. So um, yeah, that there'll be something going out before the weekend that will give the date and all the stuff around the day because we want to make it a bit of a day rather than just a few seats. So yeah. how's the, the layout of the ground going to be? Are you going to keep the How the Lads written in the stand? Are you going to keep the emblem and stuff? I don't know. If yeah. It... I, I, we, we, I had a look at doing red and white. Um, the, the, the club had some images of red and white and I, I thought that looked really, really good. Um, and then logistically, for some reason, it can't quite work at the moment so we could do the corners. Um, so what, what we've actually done is we've ordered the seats and they come five 5,000 seats at a time every couple of weeks so the first 10,000 will be here for the, the fan day so we'll change 10,000 that day hopefully um, they'll all be red um, and then I'm going back today just to do the design because I can order then if I want um, it's about 30,000 seats so it's 15,000 red 15,000 white if we go down that avenue mm-hmm. or 30,000 red depending on how we think the, the look of the ground should be and So, will people be able to keep their old seats? Yeah, I think um, we'll do something around the old seats. Yeah. Um, you know, they're talking about, you know, could could I write the people who want their old seats a letter and, and, and you know, we'll, we'll try and make something of it. But I think if any fan wants their seat, they, they should be able to have it. Yeah. Okay, moving on to the kit. Uh, Brad Brown asks, when can we expect it to be released? Um, we had to get a, a new sponsor. Um, so we are just... I think about 24 hours away so it's at legals so as soon as that's signed that will then go on um, to the to the to the kit um, I haven't got the exact date but I think um, I, I, I don't want to get this wrong but I think the away kit is is coming out first um, at the end of the month and then I think it's about a week later the home kit or they might both be for the end of the month. Um, it is frustrating everyone's asking me about the kit. Yeah. And I feel that the kit is really, in in lots of ways, quite frustrating because I haven't chosen it. I've had no involvement in it. The fans haven't done it. We've we've signed the deal. We've ordered it a year ago. The deal with Adidas sort of does all of that. And you're, it's the way that the club has worked. And because the contract's in place, it's just... It isn't the way that I would do. I like you like the kit out for Father's Day. I think that's the day the kit should be out. Yeah, because commercially that that would make sense, and this and it's a nice launch. 
Um, but um, I think, again, there'll be a couple of announcements about the kit launch. Um, and I think we might try and tie one of those things in with the seats, um, but the, the away kit first. So I've got to go back and just sort all of that out. But it's all been chosen. It's just, it is taking longer than it should do. What, what does the, well, what does the home kit look like? And then what does the away kit look like? If you're going to describe it. Um, not quite as I would have chosen. It is what it is. Um, uh, the, the, I think the biggest thing for the fans is the stripes are better. Good. Than, not pinstripes. No, it's not pinstripes. Good. No, I think they've taken, taken that on board. I think in some ways for the kit it's quite difficult because Sunderland are red and white stripes, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and and in that sense. It's difficult to vary that design because it's very <laughs> classical. But of course, what the club try and do commercially, like every club, is I mean, I remember when you used to change the kit every three years, and it was it was much better for the fans that way because they haven't got to go and buy a new kit every year. All these kit suppliers now put it in the contract; you have to get a new kit. And but actually, changing the kit so it looks different to the last one is is always not that easy. So I think the idea behind the the thin stripes is that's really different to the one the year before, and then it goes back to more traditional. So there's a real difference between them, but. Um, I think the new kit is better, but not not quite as I'd like it. What what colours the away kit, or can you spoil that for me? No, I'd, oh, that, that, honestly, um, uh, I think if I mentioned it on Twitter one minute before we released that, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> um, uh, they they want to do, and to be fair, um, you know the guys doing the kit have worked hard. That the, the lady runs the retail, and that they want that they you know they want to they want to have the they want to have that moment and and to be fair so they should so yeah. um we're, we're on it but the, that's something the fans just need to be a little bit patient with which is frustrating but that's where it is there's a quick question here from phil ball i think his name is phil ball maybe that's a typo for me uh could you please ask Stuart if there's any plans to have the beams of light shooting up from the stadium of light on a night time not at the moment no um i saw the images and i thought they looked fantastic yeah, but cool. i just haven't got round to to looking at that and and what the implications of doing it are, um, it, it's one of those things. I think it would it would look fantastic, but I just haven't got around to it. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I can't remember the last time they were on. I think it must be at least ten years before Is it? since we've had them on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like don't that. I don't know if it, they've they've gone off because of cost or whether it didn't yeah. function right or um, even if they were just on on match days. It's nice yeah. on a midweek driving up the ground and seeing it. Yeah. You can see it for miles. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think um, if we can and it's sensible, then yes, because I think like like everybody, um, it would just look fantastic, and it's your club, isn't it? And you see it, and, it's, yeah. and you think that's home. So yeah, uh, Marty Forster. I mean, you've touched on this briefly, but Daffabet, uh is not the shirt sponsor next season. We've got a new one. Yeah, it was we were contracted though with Daffabet until next year. Yes, but I think they had a clause that if the club got relegated, that they could withdraw. Right. Um, I think their their ideal scenario was that um, obviously that they were really interested in the Premier League, and I think when the club went down to the Championship, um, I'm not sure whether they could withdraw them or not. But they gave it a year to see if the club would get back up, but there was there was definitely a release clause, so they 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 opted for a release clause because it went down to League One, um, and I got that about a week after um, buying the club. That obviously we didn't have a shirt sponsor, so we've had to move quite quickly we got a good commercial deal for the league to be fair as, as, as you'd hope for Sunderland there was two or three interested companies and um, I think uh, that that again will probably be announced within the next 24 hours because I think the contracts were agreed uh, there was just a bit of tweaking and I think um, they should all be signed if they're not signed today I think it should be tomorrow 
Okay. Um, this one from Danny D is about overseas fans. So, have you got anything other than the iFollow like service that's going to be coming in this season? Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yes, that that's going to come in. That's stage one. So we've got that done. Um, and again, we're looking at a, f- a few other things. A few fans have got onto me on Twitter about you know having a, a loyalty card or trying to support the club. Um, you know when they're abroad and everything else. So though, again, we've we've got we've got something there for if you like more exiled fans where they can they can feel um, you know they don't have to purchase a season ticket they're not going to use um, but for a much lower figure they can get some benefit um, from the club by being um, uh, you know by paying a small amount of money that will give them you know more entitlement than just um, you know nobody in that sense so it recognises that they're they're fans and they're loyal but they just you know location doesn't enable them to come to all the games but it will then give them priority probably over after the season ticket holders um, it won't then go on general sale whether it, they're away tickets or cup tickets or whatever they are they can then um, have the next uh, if you like the next reward behind the season ticket holders uh, Ian Hinmarch asked sort of a, a similar question so he was asking about a membership only website so I presume that'll be similar to that where you maybe you pay a membership fee or you're part of this exclusive yeah, I, I think the idea, and I don't know because they're, they're just going through the model. It, it, it's um, you know sort of fifty, seventy-five pounds. It you'll be instead of a season card ticket holder, you'll be a what whatever you want to, yeah, gold, whatever, the, whatever the title is, a gold, yeah, a gold card member or, or whatever it will be. And for that, you will get some Benefits. some benefit and recognition of being a Sunderland fan that 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 um, loves the club but can't commit to a season ticket, whether that's financial geography whatever it is and I'm sure there'll be some benefits into that package um, as a specific membership website I'm, I'm not sure that's I think that would be further down the line I think someone mentioned that to me and I said yeah that, that's good but we need if we have a website like that we need to get some benefits for those members outside of just priority ticketing yeah. and, and everything else so um, that's one for another day that, that aspect of it Um We've also got a question here from Graham Trotter. We've had a lot of people asking, um, personally asking me if I would ask this. So he <laughs> says, I share my time between Leicester and Norfolk. So what can you do for fans that don't have easy access to the club but want to support their team? Basically, will there be a ticket package where fans can pick five games? So say that they pay, I don't know, £100, they get access yeah. to five games a year, something like that. Yeah, and, and I think um, that will be an option within this package that we're talking about. So you can just either sort of do that or you you could get a five game bundle or an eight game bundle or a three game bundle um, so um, what we're going to try and do is, is roll that all into the same thing um, so that hopefully will be covered off by what we've just talked about yeah okay um, there's also a question here from a man named Alan he says how seriously will you be taking the Red and White Army fan survey I don't know if you've uh, yeah I've seen it's been done well I'll take it very seriously yeah uh, I filled it in that, that was the fan base so um, uh, um, I'll be taking it um, more seriously than than most other things that's the experience of what the fans have got um, and if they don't like the experience they, they'll be less inclined to come and if they like um, you know uh, the, the certain aspects of the club then then, then they'll come more um, that's about again similar to being on Twitter so we have to listen to things um, where we haven't done a good job or it's not quite as the fans want and on and and people message me about these things that are wrong so then i know what it is to fix so the fan service is exactly the same they'll they'll say some things in there that 
you think there's a football club I'm sure you go oh god really are people feeling like that mm-hmm. are they queuing too long for this they can, and, and then you go we're going to have to talk to the supplier this isn't good enough blah, blah, blah. so I'll, I'll take that um, as seriously as anything I've seen so far uh, Neil Burnup has got a couple of questions about the stadium so are we going to maybe sell the stadium naming rights rename the stadium rename stands is that something you've been thinking about it was mentioned we might do the last podcast. we might do stands um, obviously a lot of people talk about Bradley Lowry and, and, and um, everything else and I think you know that there are um, that that's that's a very valid um, uh, request and I think that's something that the club should look at and I think on the stands there may well also be other things like that or, or the commercial aspect of actually selling the stands the stadium I think um, I would do a survey on that because yes it would add some value but it is the stadium of light and everyone says a lot of people said to me we don't mind if it's branded um, depends what it's branded doesn't it yeah you don't want um, to be the Wonga Dorma no and, and you don't and, and in, lo- in lots of ways it's your your home isn't it, it, yeah. it it's, it's it's what we're known as so um, I suppose maybe a, a sponsor like a sponsor or endorsement that reflects the heritage yeah, could possibly be a good move, but yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't fancy a big, I, I don't know, like a British Telecom ground or yeah. a, a, you know, a, a, or a, you know, an ESO or a, like, like there is obviously Sports Direct with Newcastle. I don't, I, I, I think um, if you're going to do something with the ground, there is a commercial aspect of that, but you don't want to sell your soul, do you? So if you can have a local firm, maybe pay, pay less, um, or you can have a, a name that. Um, it, it sort of links in nicely then I think you know as long as the fans don't object too heavily to that then I think that's something that we consider but we haven't talked to anybody about stadium naming rights yet because um, uh, there are lots of other things to do and although it could be a decent commercial win for us I think we we need to sort of just consult with the fans that, that they'd be happy that the stadium light becomes um called something else to a degree yeah I think there's people like me and Alex as well where you've got to be sort of about 30 year old to remember Roger Park like we always yeah. had the stadium of light and that's always been our stadium yeah. so it's people sort of our age I think that are more attached to the name than yeah. the older generation um, I was still getting a home friendly and what happened with but was Middlesbrough was the one planned um, yes, it, it got cancelled so we're, we're yep. still going to get one or we're, we're working on a replacement that, <clears throat> that the council weren't keen on us um, having a, a a game that weekend because um, it would um, conflict with the 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 air show I think it's not the yeah, it's the air show. The air show. So um, it was all arranged. It was all all agreed. Um, we were looking forward to it. It would have generated the club um, quite a lot of money. We we believe with the the atmosphere around the place and 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 everything else. Um, but the council really were were not keen. Um, and in the end, we 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 took their view on board and and. Um, we didn't want to fall out with the council over a pre-season friendly. That does then give us an issue with having a replacement fixture at home on that day because it wasn't Middlesbrough that was the issue. It was having a game that day. Yeah. But we need a game that day. So we're now working on that. Um, uh, and there's talk of maybe you know, getting a game in midweek at home. But we want a game on the Saturday and that might have to be away. So... Um, that's frustrating but we might have to have a midweek game instead of a Saturday one so it could be a, maybe a local away game that we could go to maybe. yeah sort of thing yeah 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 so Jack's just just doing that at the moment right okay well I've finished all the, the housekeeping questions so we'll take a wee break now and then we'll be talking all the juicy stuff so that'll be <laughs> transfers and everything else 
be, be all fun for the fans. Look forward to that one. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have a quick little break now and then we'll be back in two seconds. Welcome back to the Rogue Report podcast. This is the bit you're probably all waiting for. We're going to talk transfers, things to do with the club, a little bit about Martin Bain, Jack Rodwell will probably sneak in once or twice. So we'll start off. A lot of people have been asking about Paddy McNair. What's happening there? Is he, is he going Stoke, Middlesbrough? There's a few clubs rumoured. Um, we're, we're taking Paddy McNair from the start. Um, the reality of it is we don't, as we've said, we don't want Paddy McNair to leave. Um, we can afford to keep Paddy McNair um, and he's on a an awful lot of money for League One but he's probably going to be the best midfielder in in the league and um, we would struggle to tempt uh, Paddy McNair to us in League One so our start off point is we don't we didn't want didn't want him to, to leave and we don't want him to leave um, Paddy McNair was, was very quiet um, as, as was his agent um, offer came in from Brighton no real d- direction from Paddy as to whether he wants to go or stay the, the biggest clue we had was him on the radio saying that, or in the interview saying that he wanted to play in the Premier League which we get and we understand and, and, and everything else but that's got to make sense for us um, Paddy Minet hasn't played that many games for Sunderland actually um, he's been relegated twice and the club have stood by him and paid him whilst he's, he's injured as they are supposed to do but you hope that then means that in return he might give us a year um, and um yeah, and, and, and help us. Um, not his fault the club's relegated, I'm sure, but collectively, um, he, he's one of those parts. So we get an offering from Brighton, just decline it. Get another offering from Brighton and decline it. Um, not interested. Um, and it's quite strange because Paddy McNair says he wants to go to the Premier League. We turned two offers down from Brighton. Um, second offer's £3 million. Um, and uh, add-ons or whatever, but fundamentally that's what it is um, so it doesn't meet our, our valuation but the agent's extremely quiet so if I was Paddy Manair's agent I'd be saying well he wants to go to Premier League and you're not even really notifying me of, of, of anything um, how much is it going to gonna take because we haven't talked about what figure is on Paddy Manair we just keep turning them down um, so um, not not me personally but the club then then speak to the agent um, and this is where you know as Paddy McNair put a transfer request in now this isn't Paddy McNair this is his agent but we are talking most of the time to the players agents um, and the players agent informs us that Paddy McNair never ever ever wants to play for Sunderland again no matter what um, so uh, he's leaving um, we say well he, he's not leaving because <laughs> he's our player and we've got two years on him and we want him to help us um, so of course it transpires the agent isn't really that bothered because we haven't had direct contact with Middlesbrough, Stoke any of the other clubs that are supposedly interested only Brighton were turned down offers for when Paddy apparently is interested in going to Brighton so of course I would imagine what the agent is doing is turning around and saying I'll, I'll wait and find out what fee they accept and then I'll put him around all the clubs Yeah. and then I'll get the best deal um, and so that's why he's not bothered because he's basically saying well Paddy Manez leaving and you'll take what is on offer and he's probably said to the clubs don't offer any more than that um, you, you, if you sit tight they'll take that because Paddy Manez not coming back so that didn't sit very well with us so we um, we turned around and said look we've got interest in other players we turned down offers on them we'd much prefer them to go than, than, than Paddy so we'll accept those and Paddy stay simple as that um, an agent 
um, then got into the detail and said, well, how much do you want then? Um, he's not staying. So we, we then turned around and gave him the, the, the figures that we want and said, if you really want him to leave and he is not going to play for us, he can go, but he can go on what we think is a fair price, not on what you think is a fair price. So um, then within four hours, offers offers come in. Because um, what they're obviously doing, and I think you know they're they're just holding the rate down because the lower they get Paddy out for, the more obviously the agent can earn all Paddy. Mm. Um, but you know we've has Paddy when they handed a transfer request in. No, has he, has his agent told us he will never ever play for Sunderland again? Doesn't want to. Yes. Um, has he told us that more than once? Yes. And has he told us it quite aggressively? Yes. Um, so we had a relatively aggressive exchange. Um, but the bottom line is Paddy Manair doesn't want to be here so um, and, and there's a, an argument about the value but I think you have to remember you know Paddy Manair hasn't played that many football yeah. matches and he's a League One player um, and you, you know I've heard figures of 10 million or two, you know or a million pounds a bad deal 10 million is a bit unrealistic um, but he fundamentally is a League One footballer that doesn't want to be with us, that's been relegated twice and has had a bad injury and is, is coming back from that injury. So um, we said we don't lose any money on him. Um, we paid four or five million pounds for him. Uh, he, he's not going for less than that. Um, and, and roughly speaking, that's, that's where we are. Do you not wish you could get Paddy McNair in a room with Jack Ross and you can sit with him and go through the vision? Do you not think that... Because for me... Like I can't imagine that Paddy McNair is as much of a uh, well. It sounds like he's more of a, a mercenary, maybe. No, well, we we were we were told, and I haven't spoken to Paddy McNair that he is a lovely lad, yeah. and I think he is a lovely lad. But um, the one the one thing since I've arrived that um, I absolutely just don't want in my life if I could have it is dealing with football agents there are a few that are okay but they are unbelievably um, well well, the the way they're dealing with the football club is is, is shocking um, and if that's how agents are across the board which I'm, which I'm told they are at this level then um, you know that they're they're not helping football be like it was 20 years ago they are. I mean, loads of people say agents are ruining the game. Well, you know, they're in the the players' heads, aren't they? They they all probably now see an opportunity to earn money out of Sunderland by getting a, a transfer. Because as soon as I mean, if you take Jack Rodwell, Lee Catamol for argument's sake, they signed a five year deal, so the agent makes money on that five year deal. For the next five years, he's probably trying to move them. Yeah, because he can get another deal. So now there's there's an opportunity for all these agents to get a deal for their players out of Sunderland, and fundamentally most of them don't want to be here. So what they'll now try and do, of course, is get them out for the least amount of money, so they can make the most amount of money at the other end of the deal. And um, that that that's that's what that's that's the way they work. And um, uh, they can get relatively aggressive because their view is it's their player. If we got Paddy Manair in a room, could we persuade him not to go to Middlesbrough, Stoke, or Brighton? I don't think so. No, um, his heart set on not playing. His heart set in, on not playing in League One. Would Paddy McNair stay if the club had not got relegated? Yeah, probably. The club would have more of a chance of keeping him. He he was he twenty three. He, yeah. he 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 doesn't want to play League One football. And and 
in modern football I can understand that and I saw a few Sunderland fans on the way up here and they said the same thing can't we persuade him there's no loyalty in football well the younger lads do get their heads turned a little bit and I'm sure he's a lovely lad but when his agent who basically is dealing with 99% of the conversations says he don't want to come back that is very difficult because the agent is telling Paddy McNair come on um, you should be playing in the Premier League if you play in the Premier League or you play at the top of the Championship it'll make your international career better it'll do, do, do. don't play League One football and you know is that is that the right thing um, you know people can have a moral argument about the fact the players have got us down here that may well be no loyalty in football or do, but it doesn't matter that's what we're dealing with so we just got to deal with the facts Lee Catamull, what's what's his situation? He's on probably argued the highest earner after Rodwell, is he? At a guess. Mm, what, um, I think it's him, Oviedo, and and Catamull. They're they're the they're the big three. Rodwell, Catamull. So and all Oviedo. three of them. Are you going to try and get rid of all three of them? <laughs> um, I think um, there'll be some movement on uh, some of those three by this time next week. Um, I don't expect all three of them will be at the club by this time next week. Um, Lee Catamole is not that one though I think Lee Catamole will be here um, so you think he's going to be here next season I think I think Lee Catamole will be here next week I'm not sure he'll be oh, here okay. next season I think um, one of those three probably won't be here next week um, so we've really got two of them to deal with um, one of them we turned down an offer for in, in, in Oviedo so obviously I'm saying that it's unlikely Jack Robert will be here next week so is that um, going to be a sale or contract uh, finished? Jack Robwell's been been excellent. His agent's been excellent. Um, he's been um, talked to. That's um, the first time everyone's ever said Jack Robwell's been excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, to deal with. Yeah. Um, I mean, p- p- people, you know, we t- talk about Martin Bain that I'm sure we'll come on to, uh, and, and Ellis. I can only speak from how I found them. I, I know the history. I understand the frustration. But Jack Rod, what what we're hoping here and what we're trying to be is reasonable with our players when they say they don't want to be here but if they don't want to be here they need to be reasonable with us and Jack Robwell is being sensible and if he's being sensible then there is a there's a chance that he will leave I think everybody knows that Jack Robwell just like some of the other players doesn't really want to play League One football for Sunderland next year well he's got a year on his contract um, and we're not paying him next year's money so that he can go and play for someone else. So the, the the question then is, be reasonable, Jack, and Jack's being reasonable. You talk about Lee Catamol. Um, again, I haven't spoke to Lee Catamol, and I'm sure he's a, a, a lovely guy, but his representatives have, have indicated that he might not want to be here. Um, but the last line in the comment of that is, but he will not leave a penny behind. Um, so that's that's a difficult scenario. Um, you know, he's when got the, three when, years? three years um, the agent's saying that obviously the agent is the person that gave him the five year deal which is 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 not great um, so we're sat having a conversation with a the player there where you know the previous employee of Sunderland gives him a five year deal on, on quite a lot of money um, a, 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 you know that's not Lee Catamol's fault um, it's not Lee, Lee's fault that he earns uh, to be fair as much as, as teams budgets in this league Um you know, he negotiated a contract, he signed it, the club have to honour it. Um, and Lee, I'm sure, if he's here, will give his 100% for the football club. I, I don't doubt that. I think he's he, apparently he's a good character. 
Um, but it, when it comes down to the financials, he's perfectly entitled to take the view, if that's his view, um, and it's his agent that's saying it's that view, that um, he's got three years left. And for him to leave Sunderland, um, he wants all his money. Now, he's perfectly entitled to say that, but we're perfectly entitled to say no. And so we've said no. Jolasoro, what's what's happening there? Transfer request that reportedly put in, I think. So. No, 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 no one's put in an official transfer request to the club. They have just got their agents to tell us, and and we've had two players tell us yesterday they're not coming back. Do you know? Can you name them? Uh, no, but they're not, I'll, I'll say they're not. They're not. Um, they're, they're foreign. They're foreign lads, so they're obviously away. Right. Um, and they've said they're not coming back. So that players like Corney must be one of them players you must be having conversations with. Well, it, well, it'd be like, uh, well, the five of them obviously are Gillibodji, Kone, and Dong, Kazri, and. Um, Oviedo. Oviedo, so there's five of them. So two of those players have said they're not coming back. To be fair, I don't really want to see any of them back. Well, no. <laughs> um, but, um, um, and again, I think this will be an agent thing where if they don't come back, we put out in the market what we want for those players, we put the, the figures out. We get some interest, um, and I think they're probably playing a game, thinking, "Well, we won't come back." Ultimately, that will mean that we would hold their contract, but not pay them. So, of course, they'll then come in probably on the last day of the transfer window, going, "Or oh, um, you can, he can now go for a million pounds." Yeah. When originally we, might, for argument's sake, we valued them at five or six, and they'll think, "Well, he doesn't want to be here, and he's desperate." Well, they'll need to get that in the right order because if all the other deals come in we'll hold their contract and we won't sell them yeah. because if they're going to be like that with us we'll hold their contract for two or three years and they won't play football so that's Charlie and Bethvin's ruined. we're not going to get the piss taken out of her uh, well Charlie said it yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, I think um, well Charlie and I are the same like that well, well, there is no way if a player um, decides not to come back that that just automatically reduces our valuation of the player because they think if they play silly buggers with us um you know, we're just going to be glad to get them out of the door. Um, if they all did that, we would have a problem, but they're not. Um, and some of those you'll see will leave um, on reasonable terms with um, us saying good things about them. The other ones, if they decide to go down that route, will earn no money. They'll have their registration held by Sunderland and they won't play football. What about George Honeyman, Lyndon Gooch? They're players that fans want to see stay. I think we can all say that we want to see them stay. Young lads yeah. came through the academy. What's the situation with uh, them? Jack, Jack had a conversation with George Honeyman and it was it was okay, but again, his agent has said... Which is Margaret Byrne. Which is Margaret Byrne. That's said How that, many players actually have her as an agent? Uh, those two, I think. Just them two. Catamol and Honeyman. And again, she said... Um, uh, she signed the deals for them probably as well. Well, I don't know about Honeyman, <laughs> but um, but but she has said he he would prefer to be a Championship or Premier League footballer. See, I just find that like I find that actually almost it hurts a little bit because I look at George Honeyman, I'm like he's me, you know, he's me living the dream. Well, and- George Honeyman's interview at the end of the season was absolutely bang on. I'm sure he's a lovely lad, and he may well want to stay. So that might be against yeah. somebody trying to. But um, the, the conversations that the club have had is that um. Um, really not massively dissimilar to, to Paddy there. Is there any other outgoing players that you expect to leave that you want to bring to our attention? Any that um, maybe missed? I, th- uh, I think there will be I, I, I don't I don't think we're going to be left with that that many. I think hopefully Duncan Watmore will, will stay. I think Matthews He's will stay. He's injured though isn't he Watmore? He is so. yeah. 
Um, so we'll have what more Matthews will stay Ethan Robson wants to player. stay Embleton uh, wants to stay um, Joel Azoro, according to his agent doesn't want to stay and, and, and doesn't like the club because of something that's happened and I need to get to the bottom of that and I'm hoping if we talk to Joel and iron that out that um, you know with a nice conversation with Jack hopefully um, he'll want to stay there's a couple of lads in the academy that have said they will they're leaving um, and I don't think we're, we can stop that and the reason they I think they want to leave is because there's interest from Man United Tottenham Arsenal for them and I think the heads have been turned and So will we get fees for them or yes, that's compensation? Yeah we will um, if, if they go we've, we've asked um, the, the two lads to stay and, and sign contracts but um, they don't want to uh, and again you know I suppose if Man United come in or Arsenal Top or Tottenham um, you, you, you can't blame them and, and we've just then got to make sure we do we do the, 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 the right deal so there'll probably be a couple of lads out of the academy that we don't want to lose leave I think um, you know it, it, it's common knowledge that I think all the the, the, the the foreign guys those five guys we mentioned all want to leave um, if you're I, watching Costa Rica and Tunisia at the World Cup hoping that they're playing well, yeah. um, um, but, we, but we've got evaluations on those players and, and I think there will be a game there it's a bit cat and mouse the agents will, will try and keep the, the waves down and, and try and see if we become desperate which, which we won't because the other side of things the, the English contingent if you like um, or, or, or the British contingent you know I, I do think Paddy McNair will leave because um, if his agent's that adamant that he won't play for Sunderland he will just get a deal organised with one of the clubs that have shown interest and Middlesbrough we've we've agreed so when we talk about the valuation you know Brighton were first in and wanted him they don't see him past £3 million pounds. Yeah. so no one at the moment no one in the Premier League values Paddy McNair at more than three million. So I know the fans will say, well, he's worth 10. Well, nobody's going to pay that. If we've now gone out and said it's five and people come in at five or whatever the, the, the figure might be, the market now know that we've accepted an offer from Middlesbrough for that set figure. So now everybody can come in, can't they, and go, we'll take him. The only club that's done that is Stoke, um, who, who, have, who, you know, have matched some valuation. So, people know what the market rate is so if somebody thinks Paddy Manez worth 10 million and they can pay 5 or 6 million to us why aren't they in the race because they don't value him at that yeah. so we may value him at that um, but you know have we done a good deal there well we'd prefer to keep the boy so we haven't done a good deal because we want him to stay but is 5 million good for Paddy Manez well it's almost double what Brighton think so I, I, I don't think we've done bad there um, uh move on to some incoming so Grant Ledbetter yeah. just going to throw a name out there he's been linked he's a, is he yeah. a target possibly is, could that be in the Paddy McNair deal no um, because we don't want to merge right um, the arrangement because our fear is we won't end up um, doing the best deal we can if yeah. uh, if we start trying to do mate weight so Paddy is on his own in that um, but yeah I think he's, he's someone on our radar do you think that would be likely a loan deal or a permanent or I think if it sure? happened it would be a, a permanent deal because yeah, he's only yeah. got one year left I just wasn't yeah. sure if maybe there was going to yeah. be a, a deal where Borough pay part of his wage for the year and then you take uh, one of three I, I don't know I'm not I'm not into that I don't think we're, we would be that far down the line with him I think what we've we've said to Middlesbrough is let's let's get Paddy McNair organised and, and then it. and then we can talk about any other players going the other way 
So Paddy, if Paddy McNair goes to Stoke, could that affect? No, 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 no that doesn't make sense. Okay. Um, Jack Campbell asks, "Can you ask him to confirm whether we need to sell before we buy?" I've heard a lot of rumours in the media relation to this. Nope. Um, what what we are what we are trying to do, um, and 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 when it comes to buying players, we're not gonna we're not gonna be going out buying players for one, two, three million pounds. We're in League One, so you don't. We're in League One. I think there's only going to be three or four teams that actually spend any money buying players. There are an awful lot of good players in the lower leagues. You tend to get a shorter contract, um, two years. So of course, when you've done the first year, you're then on wind down for the second year. So then, the the, the if you like, the players are available. Yeah. Um. So. Um, the the need to pay fees um, is less, but also we are we are in League One, um, and if we paid two million pounds for a player, then the wage demands are likely going to be way out of kilter with with League One. So what what we're doing at the moment with regards to the players, and at the moment only Steele has signed and gone. But it may well be that we've got five players in here by by Monday, Tuesday, so they cost more than Jason Steele. So, um, yeah, <laughs> you, you know, um, and and we put offers in on players, um, but how, not but not crazy offers. How many players are you currently you know in talks with clubs or talking to the players? Uh, about about ten. Ten. About ten. I've seen Jack Baldwin linked from Peterborough. Is that a name? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, got legs. Uh, but again. Um, you know that's got to be a sensible arrangement yeah um and we've expressed an interest in him um but that isn't that isn't close um and i think a couple of other clubs have expressed an interest in him but i think we're all in the same boat i don't think any of us value him at what peterborough value him at. Wasn't it? yeah i don't think it's, it's even quite as much as that mm. um potentially but but um i don't think any of us value value him at that that are, that are looking at him as far as I know so they've had no uh, bids accepted yet um, but we're we're monitoring that and of course um, we'll know if a bid's accepted and um, if it is we might then Jump in. review our valuation um, but he he's one that's on the radar um, on the incomings we've got a lad at the academy at the moment that will sign um, he's just going through the medical he's a centre back so that'll be done today we've got two strikers that came up on Monday um, that I think hopefully will both sign. Um, we've got a midfielder in today from Scotland that um, I'm hopeful will sign. Um, we've got a, a, a fullback that I think we will sign. Um, and we've got a goalkeeper I think that will sign. So I would hope all of those are all signed before the players report back into training. Um, and that will start us off. And then um, we don't want to sign everybody and then find out that you know, a couple of players come along yeah. and you think oh I wish I'd have had them so we'll leave a, a few holes in there um, but we can sign those players um, but fundamentally yeah we need to get our our wage bill down um, but all those six signings are likely to cost less than our top earners one of our top earners so you know as they go out the, 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 the basic idea really is that as for argument's sake, if, if Jack Robwell went out, then we would reinvest 30% of his wages into into new signings. That would give us the formula yeah. to have a, a playing budget that's double anybody else's. And that's what we're working to. Um, now, we can't, we won't, if, if we sign five and nobody comes out, then that means that we're going to have 
Kone still at centre half. We're gonna have Oviedo at left back. We're, we're gonna we're gonna have Catamol still in the team. We're gonna have so the need to sign players is less. So it is a jigsaw. There do, there does need to be some movement out and in for it all to make sense. But if we wanted to go and sign a player tomorrow and pay a fee of half a million pounds, could we? Yes. But do we want to? We'll we'll we'll, we'll have a look at what we can assemble without spending um, what we consider top dollar fees at the moment. Um, for the players because I don't think we've been quoted a fee on a player yet that we think is sensible because everyone's going is Sunderland yeah um, and there are lots of you know the, the lad we've got well, of Scotland hopefully he's a very good player and he's come to the end of his contract and players do you know there's an awful lot of can we free read into that who that is, is it I don't know if you can Ross has managed before don't think so no oh, I wasn't sure if it was Chris no. That was my guess. Oh, well, he managed him. Well, he's uh, more of a sort of striker, number 10, isn't he? Yeah, probably. Oh. And also Lyle Taylor. As the final player, I'll throw it in and then I'll let you have yeah. a look at well, think, well, um, Lyle Taylor is um, a very good centre forward at League One level who is um, available to sign. Chris Maguire may be available to sign as well. So would we be in for those type of players? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to move on to. I'm just going to have a look at this question. So, Kingston SI asks, How many players do we expect in? How many we expected out before the Portugal trip? And, well, we've already discussed how players leaving on high wages. So, how many do you think you'll have for the Portugal well, trip? I'm hoping we'll have six. Six um, in, how many out? Six in, out. One, two, three, four, five. Is there any players at the club that are untouchable? Like in what you way? Definitely don't want to sell. Uh, well, yeah, um, Paddy Manair, but he wants to go. Yeah, um, Joel Azuro, but he wants to go. Um, etc. Uh, etc. Et you, you, you know, th- there are players that we then want to sell that we think the club can can afford. Um, we we, can't, we couldn't keep all the the high earners, and um, we wouldn't be our, our our income is likely to be somewhere around £17 million um, as a football club you you can't have a wage bill double that is £27 million. you're not you, you know whatever it's got to be 50-55% it can't be now now we think we've got 27 down to about 16 with a couple of deals behind the scenes of the people that are pretty much signed and, and gone so we're, we're well underway to getting that to a sensible le- level we then sign players but you know, a, a, a really good wage in League One is three to five thousand pounds, depending on your position. That should see us getting top players in each position. I would have thought mm-hmm. three to five thousand. Well, if you've got players, and I think our highest earner costs us still fifty, sixty thousand pounds a week when you take all their their bonuses in. One player is ten. Yeah. So. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so if we can get a sensible result on three or four of those, then um, we can have three teams and still be, you know, biggest budget. We would t- when when we went out to the the league conference, we're talking to a lot of the other clubs in this league. There aren't many big spenders in this league. Lots, well, most of the clubs are around three to four million pounds who are having a go this year. Occasionally, there's a six or seven. I think Sheffield United would like that. A couple of teams last year that went up were like that. Um, this year, that's that's us, but we're not six or seven potentially. I think we we would allow ourselves to be a fourteen if we needed to. Yeah, but we're wasting money at fourteen, 
because we should really be seven. Jake Collinson asks, have you offered any contract extensions to players that have a year left? So that would be yes. the likes of Joel Asora and whatnot. Yes, yeah, we have. And uh, any progress? Uh, yeah, they've all said no. <laughs> um, yeah, they've all said no. Um, and, that's and that's that. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't want extensions. Fair enough. I have a question: yep. Is Paddy McNair considered untouchable in spite of his injury record? Does that not factor into whether or not to how highly he's valued? Well, I think it does factor into how high he's. I mean, when when you talk about that, you know, I think if he'd have played twenty five games last year or thirty games or whatever it is, and and you know, the, the end of the season came too quickly, I think for Paddy McNair with mm. regards to evaluation for Sunderland, because you know people are thrown at you. Well, he hasn't done that many, and I turned around and said, well, he still played for Northern Ireland a few weeks ago, and he he was decent and and everything else, but <clears throat> um, he's. Look, if he can't agree personal terms with Middlesbrough or Stoke or anybody else that's making an offer, we we have no interest. Just just like, like Brighton, we we just said no. Um, his agent may turn around and say he's not coming back. Well, he's got a choice then, hasn't he? He doesn't play football, and he doesn't want to not play football at 23, 24 years old, does he? Um, I think you know he he should then come back and bust a gut to try and get a move in January. Which would maybe better for us because we he'd have played the games and, and get more money. And I think Paddy Manair, uh, I would hope as a human being outside of talking to his agent, would turn around and and say, "Yeah, okay, I've, I've signed for two years. You, you've you've helped me out. Um, come on then." But with these offers on the table and him in a position to negotiate, my gut instinct is he'll he wants to play higher up that badly that unfortunately, although he would be untouchable for us, he, he, the boy wants to go. So what can you do? Mark Morris asks, what is your take on our reliance on the loan system in the last few years and will you be looking at loans this season? We will have a look at loans, um, but only a couple. Um, and um, I don't think we want uh, a squad full of loans. I don't know how many loans Sunderland had last year. but my Seven? I think. Yeah, I think that's... By January, we had pretty much a full squad of loans. But yeah. you're going to have five in the squad anyway, aren't you? So Yeah, I, I think um, one one or two from the right sort of clubs um, and the and the, the lads who, who would, would probably be younger have got a good attitude and a good pedigree and are good technically um, to come in and, and really thrive in the environment. I think if you have a couple of them, fine. The, the, the query always with loan players is, do they feel it the same as... It doesn't matter to them the same because it's not really their club. Well... Um, you want lads that want to come out and, and and really value the experience and lots of loan players come out and then you sign them don't you um, and, and you hope you get a loan player from a club that's much higher up and he plays well for you but not well enough to yeah, get his contract that. renewed and then he's loved playing for Jack Ross for a year and then you know you can persuade him and I think there might be a couple of those that we look at but I can't, I can't imagine us having four or goals. five loan players starting in the uh, first few games Paul Matthews <coughs> asks how much of the work done by the previous regime in, ident in identifying targets is being used by your management staff I mean are you using the old scout reports or have you thrown your own scouts in there uh, none you're not using the old regimes no no. So no. They, they, we, they, they targeted the lists um, we looked at the players um, uh, uh, the club had talked to players um, so you know, to give you an example, I I had a I had a meeting with the 
them and I don't think they understood the League One <clears throat> financial structure so we were looking at they told me they were looking at a player who was on 3,000 a week and they'd offered him 10 um, and they were looking at a player at three and a half and they were going to offer seven um, and those numbers didn't make sense to me because I thought they should want to come and I and I, and the, 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 I didn't think the value um, for money was there and obviously there was the list of players and I think we looked at the list and, and I don't think Jack or Tony Coton agreed with the list apart from maybe one or two but I think we'd blown ourselves out of the water by indicating we pay them X and then we went and talked to them again they were like well you, you've offered this and we said well we don't think you're worth that um, you know and um you know, oh well, you know, I've had an offer of this, I've had an offer of that. Well, take it then. Why didn't you take it? And they, they, they still haven't taken it because they didn't have the offer, did they? Um, so one or two of those players that were recruited before may come back in, mm -hmm. to our thinking. But at the moment, oh, I don't think um, we'll, we'll do our own. To Tony Coton is is very well connected. Jack Ross is working extremely hard, and you know they're connected in different areas. R Richard Hill's quite well connected. Um, so they can bounce from him if they want to. Um, so I think we're pretty confident in our own player targets. Good stuff. Okay, it's fourth section, final section. Uh, you'll probably your voice will be going too. <laughs> um, we'll just have some questions, kind of about the clubs. So people are asking about new investors, all that sort of stuff. Yep. So we'll start. There was a few questions about the financial state of the club. I know you have clarified this, mm -hmm. but basically people want to know does the club or Ella short 40 million pounds and have the parachute payments as collateral no I, I owe Ellis you owe Ellis um, and it's done against the and, it, and it's a little bit more than that because there's a bit of a hole um, so and, and we've we've also had some bad news um, yesterday that the Alvarez case uh, individually um, lost. is lost so although we lost the first bit we've now lost the next bit which is another 5 million so, um, so how much is that going to cost with 12 million Another five, another five. So on, on whatever it was, and, seven and a half plus. Five. And, the, and the club's still paying that off. Unbelievably, oh, they haven't. Right. They haven't paid the original. Did you get an explanation off. as to why that Alvarez, why that deal happened? Because it, to me, from the outside looking in, to loan a player for a year and then have to buy him no matter what just seems idiotic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, all, from that perspective, all one can do is pick up the pieces. Um, but. You know the, the reality of it is Sunderland doesn't owe any money. Ellis has wiped the debt off, so um, the issue is mine now. If if I don't pay him, he's got a call on um, those those payments. Um, but we are going to have we we are having some discussions behind the scenes about um, I suppose if you like the Alvarez claim, the fact he's not quite paid yet, um, a couple of other things going on. So you know those figures may adjust because within the in the legal agreement, um, you know, if 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 the deal isn't quite um, as as you want it, there's a few financial things always come out that might adjust the figure slightly. Um, and there's two and a thrown on that, and you you just have a look at it and say, well, we're better off here and worse off here. But at the moment, we might be um, a little bit worse off. But that isn't. The, I know that there was the shot of the 150 million going into the shares. Yeah. That is Ellis wiping off his debt. So the club has got no debt. So we're now we're now in a position whereby what we've got to try and do is is run it in a sensible manner. It probably will have um, some losses in the short term because 
Um, I think on the 31st of August at the moment, I've got to write a check for for 20 million pounds to to cover the deficit in the the players going out. I mean, we owe an awful lot of money on players going out. How, how long will that affect you for? How many years are left on these? Only only this year is is the hit. There's some money coming in in due course that sort of offsets um, the future ones going out. So that's about neutral. But there is this hole on the 31st of August, um, which is which is about 20 million pounds. So what about deals? Um, sort of all their transfers out. So Patrick Van Aanholt is the payments going in for him. There's a, yeah, there's about a million and a half left to come in for him. I think there's still five million to go out for Oviedo, for instance. Um, How much did we pay for him? What was the exact? Oh, I'm not. I'm, seven I'm, or eight million. I'm not sure. I focused on what's yeah. left to pay. If I'm <laughs> honest. Um, uh, and and you know, um, you know, there's there's money to go out on Paddy. There's there's money to go out on people that aren't here anymore. Yeah. Um, I think you know we we bought them over three or four years worth of payments and they've just all seemed to have crescendoed because a few of them have been delayed as well there, there were some payments due to be made through the season and we asked for a bit of time on those to pay at the end of the season so, so I've taken that on um, so that's on top of obviously um, the the 40 million purchase price but the idea is that we go through the process um, the football club tries to get in a position whereby it's it's breaking even we, we, we've made quite a lot of inroads in that but I think the reality of it is at the moment we're probably running the club if we get the trading that we think annually at sort of a a £5 million loss at the moment which was 30 so that's that's a good show. and we don't count the parachute payments for that because they don't last forever um, yeah. what we want to look at is where we are in, in when the we parachute payments are stopped yeah. Because um, that that that's the stage at which, um, and and of course, in two years' time when they stop, the football club could be in a different division. It could be in a different dynamic. But we can't bank on that or budget on that. We need to have a look at you know where we go. You know the the, the concerts apparently are worth half a million pound a concert, and Ed Sheeran has just done three. And not only has he done them up the road or three or four, he's he, he he's done them with our rivals. So they're probably one and a half million up and we're one and a half million down. And that's galling as a Sunderland fan yeah. to think you've just not done them. And that's not been done because one of the managers didn't want a pre-season... Wise, I well, he, yeah, he wanted a pre-season game. So we've got to get those things right. But through the process, the basic bottom line is Sunderland has no debt. Ellis has wiped it off. I'll pay Ellis. Um, and the reality of that then is what are we then left with? We should be left with um, a transfer pot that's, that's, that's um, would basically be left over but some of that will go to cover the gap um, so um, I've got a formula with, with, with Jack that says when we sell a player X amount of that money can go to you to invest now the rest of it should be held to either cover the gap in the in the player trading because I've, I've committed the 40 million to Ellis the player trading stuff over a period um, I'm hoping I can bring that in by selling some of these players at a sensible level leave a surplus for the football club to either use on wages or to use on buying players but if we manage to sell £20 million worth of players I'm not giving Jack Ross £20 million in yeah. League 1 I might give him a million or I might give him two over a, uh, over a number of players but we need that money one to, to shuffle off um, some income with regards to the player trading um, because I did take that on but 
um, the reality of it is, and, and people have talked about the player trading, um, the agreement is that where where the biggest gap is is in, in Dong. The player trading sheet was supposed to be neutral and they had a valuation in on Dong, saying that he was going to Watford because it was a pretty agreed amount. And I said, he's not going to Watford, is he? Because they haven't, <laughs> they don't want it. Um, so I agreed that when the money is sold from Ndong, I then said to Ellis, I'm not giving you as much money at, at the start because that 8 million you said I'm getting in June, I'm not going to get. But I said, what I will do is I'll give you the money for Ndong when he's sold. So Ellis gets Ndong, um, all the other players, um, you know, in effect can go into Jack Ross's pot. Um, cause, but again, it depends what we get on Ndong. So what we're short on Ndong... I, I will shift a portion of that money to cover the shortage on Undong because I don't think we'll get what was in the figures for him. The rest of it then will be put in a pot and Jack can have what we perceive is is the right sort of money for the league that we're in, for the type of players that he wants. And that's how that will work. And I think we'll, be, we'll obviously generate more money totally than Undong was in. So that will be a surplus. But we've got to keep that and spend it at the right time. SBC was the company we owed the well, Ella Short or the yeah. club. Are we all done with them? Yeah, he, he um, as part of the agreement, he had to um, settle the debts, and he he couldn't quite settle them on completion because he the banks didn't move as quickly. So we completed on the with the provisor that he would clear those debts. He has he has done that. Um, so they've gone, so there's no debt. Um, but he, as we mentioned at the start, he's got a charge on, um, well, it, well he, he's gone, we, we were overcautious for him. It was, it was, to me, he didn't need them both, but I wasn't gonna fall out of over it. He wanted a property charge. So he's got a property charge on the Academy of Light not the stadium we refused the stadium he wanted to charge on everything we said no the academy was part of the deal it's got a property value whatever if you want a charge in case I don't pay you you can have it over that um, so that was valued and then he wanted to charge over the parachute payments as well because it was physical cash and we're like, well if you have a charge over the parachute payments if I didn't pay you you don't need to charge over the, the academy and in the end I, ju- I just went okay fine it doesn't matter because you're going to get paid so just have the charge and I think the agreement is that as that money then goes down the charge reduces and then it goes so um, as I pay Ellis which all will all be done by within two years he then removes those charges and the position should then be the club has no debt um, has no charges um, we don't want an overdraft um, and we then need to see whether or not the club can function without me continually feeding it every year, which I'd prefer not to do. But if I've got to do it, um, I'll do it to a sensible level. Um, and my view then with the investment was um, Juan would be a logical person That's to come in on, on that. Juan. Yeah, so, so we can we can go on to Juan. Move on yeah. to Juan. So what is his involvement? How much does he own? How much does he put in? Uh, 20% he owns. Um, so that brings you down to 74? 74. Which is lower than um, what you said you were willing. I know, but he's good. Well, <laughs> so we'll, 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 we'll let him. Um, uh, so, yeah, he, he will be the only person that comes in. 
So that's long term. Um, Even if we're going for the Champions League in five years, nobody will invest us. Um, yeah, although well, I suppose when I say Juan, um, it'll be Juan and, and maybe his family. Um, I, I don't know what their appetite is at this stage to, to be involved, but um, the rumour in the footballing world is that they might be interested in being involved in a in a big football club which Sunderland would be if we, we could get them, them in the in the in the um in the championship well obviously we're big anyway but if we get it to that level with a profile it might be um that, that Juan um is asked by his family if he can get involved so when I say Juan I mean that 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 his family um so it'll be his family and and, and me um how, how much if you don't mind us asking yeah. how much did he pay for that 20 um only uh, three million and then is he investing in the club what what's the uh, yeah, well that that's that that will be yeah that that will be ongoing um so uh i'm not quite sure where that will take us i had a i have a vision that um if i do it right we get in the championship um we get ourselves organized um we get a sensible financial um position um, and as I said before, depending on how much money we can save um, over this next 12 months by running it properly, um, we can then use that money to, to have a go in the championship. So that's how I see it. Um, Juan um, came to the football club on Monday and I explained this vision to Juan and we looked at a few football clubs and I said Sunderland is the one. I said the place, I've said to him the place is just amazing. I said there's a journey for the fans um we can create something special um we can we can deliver for them um and it has a potential um in my opinion to be a top 10 premier league club and obviously we're talking down the line and to be in a position whereby it shouldn't be playing for 17th spot in in the premier league that the, the club's bigger than that if it's run right i mean it's managed properly and I said, this is the one. I said, it's a sensible entry level. Um, and I said, and it's a great journey. Um, it's everything you're you're after. Um, so I said, come and come and have a look. Um, so I, I, and I went out to see him, and I, and I went through it all, and I met him and his his wife, who's obviously heavily involved in Monaco. Um, and he 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 loved. The, the structure and the setup and what I was going to try and do and he just said yes um, and if he says yes he's a man of his word so he so he's done it so I, I know that it was done we're going through the EFL process so that needs to go through but he, he's well funded he's 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 uh, whiter than white there's no issues with him so I, I can't see an issue for one second there um, so assuming that goes through in the, in the next few days we do the process that's done um, do we need him for League One absolutely not do we need him in the Championship not if we run ourselves properly um, from a from a financial perspective, um, will he add things? I think you know he's he he came here Monday, um, and he said this football club is the is a top twenty European football club, and um, he's unbelievably excited. You mustn't let him get carried away. But <laughs> you wanna yeah you you want I think he did a couple of interviews I think but he um, for for another day but he was unbelievably enthused so you know the idea of, of getting him involved is he can help with the South American young talent he can probably help us in due course if we get the club to a certain place with his European connection of course which may benefit the club 
But on top of that, if we can get him enthused, he is a very bright, smart, intelligent, sharp human being who's very well connected. That for Sunderland could prove extremely useful um, if we can just get the first couple of steps right. And that's why I think he needs to be involved because the other thing is he won't do it wrong. If 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 his excitement comes in and he'll spend some money and his family might get involved or he he'll know um you know where, where to go for the for the right sort of level if we go down the avenue of trying to find a, a an abramovich or a whatever in due course he's the man to do that and of and we would probably be very well positioned to make sure they're the right sort of person for Sunderland. so when they say they're going to do and put in the sort of money you need to compete in the top four. He he be a man for finding either that person, and it might not be much further than his knocking on, <laughs> knocking on um, his Sunday dinner his bedroom family. door. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so you, you know um, from that perspective, he he's got all the right sort of attributes. I would judge, um, and it's just like getting Jack Ross. I, I've assumed that Jack Ross has got not assumed, but from my. Uh, I think Jack Ross has got the right attributes to do the job that I've given him. I think Juan's got the right attributes to be of benefit to Sunderland. Um, there are, I've still got them now, there are loads of people offering to invest in Sunderland. Because to be fair, the deal that's been done, um, because Ellis has been reasonable, it, it is a good deal. Um, could I have, a, would, I, could I, would I have bought Sunderland for £100 million in the Premier League? I can't, I can't do that. You're not, you know, if someone is sat here saying, Stuart, are you going to put in £20 million transfer kitty every year? I, I, I'm not your man. If the club gets to that stage and the fans say that's what they want and I've done my bit, then, then, I'll, then, I'll, then I'll leave it. That's fine. Um, but at the moment, my judgment call is Sunderland can benefit from me being around at the moment to try and get it back on an even keel. I'll then try and push it. And if I get it right, I'd love to be in it long term. But I'm not the person that's going to put Twenty-five pound, twenty-five million pound a year into Sunderland. I can't do that. Um, I, I could do it for a couple of years, and then um, I'd be looking at whether or not I could live in my house. Um, <laughs> so you know that that isn't me. Can I run it if I've got the numbers slightly wrong? Absolutely yes. Um, but Juan could deliver that for us if it becomes needed. So that's one of the reasons, along with the other ones, that he's here. And moving on, Mdon84 asks, who are Richard Hill and Paul Reid? What are their roles at the club? And what experience do each have in similar roles, which make them the best candidates for the job? Um, Richard is um, helping at the moment with the recruitment and with getting players out. Um, the reason he's at the club... Um, and Paul Reed and Tony Coton to a similar degree, and Jack Ross. Um, apart from obviously Jack, with with how I feel his ability to be as a manager is, they are straight, they are firm, they know the market, they're well connected, they know um, people in the relevant areas. So Tony Coton and Richard are, are, know that when a player says I'm earning five thousand pounds a week, they go and find out he's on three. Um, they know the market to to get the players. So, uh, and, and Richard will, for Sunderland and me, not waste one pound. The player we're signing today, he has been sat for 24 hours arguing about whether or not 
um, we're going to put him up in a hotel for one month or six weeks at £40 or £50 a night um, and he was chuffed to save £2,000 <laughs> and one of the other players that were signing and, and, and this is Sunderland and, and this is what people think decent wage top top wage £5,000 in this league so we offer that agent when they get to the championship we want 15000 our revenue is going to go up 30% we can't push that yeah beyond six and a half thousand or the model doesn't doesn't work um now for a few of them that might move a little bit but you can't this football club cannot if you like get a wage bill of for argument's sake let's say 14 million and then agree a 200 percent increase for the squad making the budget 42 when we're only going to get another five million in the, the, we, i i'll be in the position whereby i can fund that for a year and i'll be desperately trying to find an investor or say to one there you go um, <laughs> so that that doesn't work so what Richard Hill has done there on the negotiation is he's got that 15,000 down to six and a half because he's just gone no and I don't think um, Sunderland's had enough of that um, I don't like dealing with football agents um, I get excited about signing players so I tend to cave in too quickly Richard is very hard nosed so he is massively helpful in doing the play negotiations so that's fundamentally what I'll do and then I'm passing other jobs to him like for instance I've, I've had a look at our medical expenses which um, are more than every other team in League One put together 100% they're unbelievable why? Uh, is it like the, they've still got that chamber the cool chamber thing I can't remember yes. what it's oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, I think we've got our own hospital somewhere looking at the bit <laughs> um so, so he'll look at that and, and you know when everybody just goes off for a scan or an appointment he'll talk to the doctor and he'll say why there's not enough why at Sunderland why are we doing that why are we spending £100,000 when we can spend ten? why why? And, and I said to the fans I met last night it's your money and it's my money um, and if people own the football club and want to waste their own money that's up to them but that's not me I'm pretty sure everybody works very hard to get their £300 season ticket or buy their shirt so when that money comes into the club we can't have a culture of oh, whatever whatever we'll just we'll just do whatever and so Richard Hill on the playing side which is a big expense is the guy that's going to turn around and go this is a fair wage and he knows a fair wage and they're connected Tony Coton will um, recruit them with Jack um, and then Richard will go to work and do that and so he's working on ins and outs but that will obviously be busy now and then in other parts of the season I will have him looking at other football expenditure going why are we spending what we're spending so that's, that's him Tony's in because we think he's excellent at recruitment very well connected um, he's having a, a big impact already um, and you know he, he played a massive part in getting Jason to, to Brighton um, so you know um, deserves the freedom of the city. If, well, if Jason, well, if Jason still doesn't want to be here, then, yeah. then he, he he's helped with that, and um, he's managed to make sure that he's gone without us having to. So these are towards the it. football people we're talking on the first yeah. podcast, getting them football people in. This yeah. is exactly what you've done. These are them people you yeah. want as your advisors, which so, is what yeah. we've been missing. Yep. Yeah. Um, so so they're in. Um, we've got Kevin Ball. I think he's come back from holiday to to, to organise, um, and we'll probably put him. A little bit more academy focused to help Paul Reed who's come in. Paul Reed is a extremely bright, and obviously he was at, at Eastleigh for a while as a player, but he he 
one of his league of Barnsley he went to Rangers um, a, a very well connected very bright smart lad um, who's absolutely on it and is I think probably had two hours sleep a night for the last two weeks as he's as he's gone through the whole academy and 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 he, he he's extremely professional, and the academy needs to be absolutely professional and we need to make sure that all the standards are very high and his standards are very very high. Um, he's got a, re- a recruitment model. Um, he's he 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 will be a massive asset to Sunderland Football Club, and I think we'll get Kevin probably sitting in some role there with him um, uh, to help on that side and you know I think Kevin apparently did a great job at the academy and he's been the most or one of the most impressive individuals um, since arriving at the club so we just got to utilise him right as we've touched on so Paul Reed's coming to do that you've got Tony Coton, you've got Richard Hill you've got Jack Jack's got his assistant He's he's Jack's got two or three more people that that he wants to come in um, he's got a goalkeeping coach that we're just tidying up now um, I think he, he's got yeah, what first... happened with that because I think it was St Johnston wasn't it well, was it St Johnston were upset oh um, I think all the Scottish teams are upset with us at the moment yeah yeah there was uh, a too much skullduggery I think yeah. um, <laughs> uh, you know um, but um, I think I think he's, he's there's a coach that um, is coming uh, a goalkeeping coach that's coming as well uh, and an analyst um, that, that's coming as well to complement the team so they'll be in I think they'll all be in by the weekend so that structure is then there right from the start of pre-season that's what they're working towards doing um, the Tony and Richard are very respectful of Jack which means you don't have the issue of you know Jack thinking someone else is picking his players yeah. or whatever they they get the role they're, they're subservient in that sense but when they go into motion in their aspect of their job they're extremely professional and they are two people that will not let Sunderland um, pay more or lose more on incomings and outgoings than, than should happen and we need that so they're an investment in that uh, one final point really to me I think you've covered absolutely everything is Martin Bain so what the is height. your relationship with Martin Bain how was he with the, the handover and what, what were your dealings uh, with Ma- Martin Ellis um, were, were exemplary for me um, uh, I think they obviously you know Martin had his own view of, of, of the situation um, uh, I haven't spoken to Martin since um, he departed I sent him an email thanking him and he sent me a very nice email back um, we agreed the detail of, of, of his departure um, and he's gone um, now you know the, the football club no doubt about it is not in good condition um, uh, I think Martin would say it was very difficult for him because he didn't get the support and direction from Ellis that he would hope for so we were sort of doing it slightly blind. And of course, I don't know if that's right or wrong. Um, all I can say is, you know, when I, when I did the deal with Ellis, Ellis was, was, was good at what he did. And, and when I dealt with Martin, he was very polite and efficient. And he knew um, right from the start that probably in him doing this process, it was the right thing for the football club to be sold because Ellis had run out of a willingness to, to, to fund the football club to give it a chance really, other than just to make sure it was surviving till it was sold so I'm sure that made the working environment difficult 
for him and Martin knew that when it was sold he would lose his job and I think Martin would say that he thought he he did a good job in difficult circumstances and basically got a lot of probably hard criticism um, and, it, and it, I think he probably would, would say he might understand a little bit of it but he, he thinks you know people probably didn't understand how difficult a job he had um, and you know uh, that that's what he thinks you know what, what, you know how I see the club having gone in um, you know people will always do things differently I think the biggest single thing is that, that you would ask yourself um, and this is why I need people around me that that have this mentality is as the owner of a football club that ultimately will have to write the checks do you have people in the football club that treat the money like it's their own and culturally the football club had a situation whereby they had a billionaire in London writing checks whenever he was asked um, which meant that the nobody actually turned around and said a £100,000 job should be 10000 because yeah. someone always wrote the cheque um, so therefore he was reliant on the people that he employed to actually look after his money properly Ellis's view of that is he, 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 he got all his appointments wrong so they will see things differently They, I think you know which one of those is right and wrong don't know I would say Ellis spent an awful lot of money and should have got a better result for his money yeah it, it you know was Martin Bain at fault for that was he picking up the pieces he had to do some things that um, people didn't see behind the scenes I'm sure that, that will have improved the financial position was that the, the previous people that Ellis put in well you know when, when you look at that what I would say is Martin Bain did have did inherit some real issues yeah um, and you know he was the only one around to shout out wasn't he really so um, he, he copped all the flack um, and for all of that he was extremely professional extremely polite extremely respectful and doing his best I think um, you know do the fans think his best was good enough well you know knows. okay well I think we're all done I think my bladder will explode if I continue <laughs> anymore I'm squirming in my seat so Stuart thanks for coming on no, pleasure, um, pleasure I look forward to seeing you back here probably in a month yes absolutely no problem we talked through um, the signings you can tell where I've gone wrong yeah That'd be good. <laughs> uh, Alex thanks for sitting patiently Oh, you're very welcome. I'm thinking about 15 words there, actually, as yeah, opposed yeah, to the three I initially projected. You so. did well. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks for coming on. and we'll look forward pleasure. To Obviously, the fixtures came out today as well. We yes. talked about them, but, yeah. Are you looking at that chart in the tome? Um, um, yeah. Um, it's a good one. Yeah, they've been quite kind to us, the fixtures, because we got Boxing Day at home, the 29th of December home. Um, the last home game's Portsmouth, isn't it? So that could be a cracker. Yeah. Um, you know, when we're at home first game. So you can't you can't ask for more than that and I'm sure you know um, Blackpool I think New Year's Eve yeah, isn't it so New Year's Day is it so yeah I think that that might be that might be a, an interesting game for the Sunderland fans this weekend away my, my tip is we'll probably get the biggest ever League One attendance for that Bradford game on the box do you think yeah yeah well they'll take up yeah they the will yeah. they're a yeah, they team and I think yeah. we'll, we'll be top of the league in that one so we'll wow, be yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> okay thanks for coming on Stuart um, follow on Facebook Twitter and all that jazz and thanks for listening
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 